Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. For our talk today, we're going to be in the book of John, chapter 18. If you're new to the Bible, there's the Old Testament, then there's the New Testament. The first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those tell the story of Jesus. So we're going to be in the fourth book, New Testament, the book of John, which uh, includes the story of Jesus and his life here on earth. To get us started, an idea I think we can gather around, either you've experienced it or been close to it or you've seen you know movies or something that included ready a scene picture it a scene where a woman is getting child giving child birth something like this like mom's working hard now there's a few ladies in the room might be having flashbacks saying I don't like this sermon at all so far but the whole giving birth process can include what Four hours to four days of labor. I don't know what the record is, but right, or you can do the labor thing, and then you can go home, and then you come back and do more labor. There's the pushing and the pain and the labor, and did I talk about the labor? Yeah, the labor and the pushing and the pain and the, uh, I remember when, uh, I remember uh, my wife asking for ice chips, so that was my big contribution, was here's the ice chip, honey. Keep going did my part. But here's where we're headed with this, right? You got the mom doing all this work, and eventually then baby comes, ready? Oh, yay, baby comes. But the appropriate response when the baby comes, if you want to give credit to the right person, yes, you coo over the baby and you say, way to go, baby. You might give the the dad a high five. You might acknowledge the help of the physician. But who did the heavy lifting in the midst of the childbirth? The, the right answer is mom, right? And if we had have said something else, there may have been a few ladies clarify. Mom, and it's totally true. So I wanna, what I want to do is take that concept and apply it to a spiritual truth. And up on the screen will be a question, who did or does the heavy lifting in a new life with God? And I'll, t- and don't, I'll tell you the answer. The answer is God. The answer is Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross. Sometimes we mistakenly get out of balance and someone might say, hey, are you a Christian? And we say, oh yeah, I, and then we talk about the things that we do. Well, you know, like I go to church for an hour and a half every week and I stop, I stop by the booth to help in children's ministry. And, or I give some money or right, I have four Bibles. I'm a total Christian. I have four different Bibles. Or, or, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, you know, I, I don't cuss on Tuesdays most of the time, as long as there's, you know, especially if there's a child around, like I totally only cuss a little bit. So totally I'm a Christian, right? Just to be clear, those are good things. Those are spiritual activities, but they do not compare to the work of God, the work of Jesus the, the lifting that he did when he died on a cross for us. Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the hard work. 
Ephesians 2.8, you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God. 1 Corinthians 1.30, talking about Jesus Christ, says he is our righteousness, he is our holiness, he is our redemption. And it says, this is a command, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord, in what he has done. Last verse. I go to this verse quite a bit. Paul, uh, writer of Romans, and by the way, Paul did a lot of amazing spiritual things, did a lot of work for the Lord. But he says, what a wretched man I am, and he ends up saying, who will rescue me? The answer is, thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So hold those thoughts. We're in this series called Jesus, Friend of Sinners. We're studying the book of John. Today we're going to explore some of the sacrificial work Jesus did on our behalf in the midst of the cross. And in this talk, we're going to go a little bit deeper in the crucifixion story. We're going to talk about some parts of the story that I don't think, think get quite as much attention as the actual when he was on the cross. So let me set the stage. Jesus has done ministry. He's taught and he's healed. He has proven his power through the miraculous things that he's done. He, I'm sorry, yeah, I'll, I can take it if I need to. Are you good? Yeah, just tell him we're busy. I don't even give it to me. I'll answer it. Hey, what's up? Um, so Jesus has been doing ministry. Uh, been doing miracles. He now at this point has been betrayed by Judas, one of his disciples. You, you tracking? He's been betrayed by Judas, one of his disciples. Judas has gone to tell the soldiers where Jesus is at. So that's happening. Uh, Jesus has just been in the Garden of Gethsemane where he really wrestled with this calling to die for the world. So he prays. He, he anguishes over, and finally he decides, yes, Lord, I will give myself, and I will be killed. I will be murdered for the sake of the sins of the world. He finishes that moment, and he's coming like out of the garden, and he hears the soldiers coming his direction. Pick it up in verse 4. It says, Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, that's the soldiers, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said, and Judas, the traitor, was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. And Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you're looking for me, then let these men go. Now let me fill in some gaps here. There's a scuffle. The soldiers eventually grab Jesus and tie him up. And they take him to a priest's courtyard where two things happen. One, Jesus overhears 
one of his disciples named Peter deny him three times. Basically, people say, hey, you're with Jesus. And Peter said, no, I'm not. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. Oh, seriously, you are. No, I told you I'm not with him. So he denies Jesus three times. And then in the midst of that, an, an aggressive, a very aggressive interrogation starts to happen. The priests interrogating Jesus. And we'll pick that up in verse 19. It says, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in the synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? The story continues, the account continues, uh, more interrogation, uh, extreme beating, ultimately crucifixion and death on the cross. Title of today's talk is The Price Love Pays. And I want to explore two things that I see in the text that Jesus went through for our sake, for our salvation. Two applications, I think, that can happen during, this, during our time together. One, we will either become aware or be reminded of how amazing Jesus' love is for us, how, how sacrificial he is. The other thing is, the things that we're going to talk about will challenge, could challenge you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to be more like him. Because the reality is we represent him. And some of the things that he does, he would ask us to do for other people in hopes that they will ultimately come to know Christ, come to know God, be forgiven for their sin. All right, so let's pray. God, open our eyes. I pray that there would be a reminder, or for some, just even for the first time ever, ever we would get a better glimpse into your sacrifice for us. And also, I ask that you would challenge us to be more like you for the sake of uh, this world that you died to save. Holy Spirit, be our teacher today. In Jesus' name, amen. You ready? Two things. You ready? All right, I'm ready. I have wanted to talk about these things for a long, long time. So even if this message just stinks, I'll feel better at the end. All right? Two things I want to talk about. The first one is, for the sake of our salvation, Jesus endured the foolishness. That's the fill in the blank. Foolishness. That's what we're going to call it. The foolishness of humans. We're going to, we're going to explore a little bit the reality that this team of people that's supposed to be crucifying and Jesus really are not all that skilled at their jobs. We see a little bit of that in the verses where it's, uh, the soldiers come, Jesus goes out and he meets them, and he says, who is it you want? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. It says, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, and he says, 
I am he. Now just a reminder, he just got done settling the issue. Yes, Lord, I will drink this cup. I will take this on. I will submit myself to the process of being killed by these people. So then they show up. He says, who is it you want? They say, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, here I am. And they, I might, they withdraw with their faces to the ground. Now, I know that some of this might just be me. But if I were Jesus, I would say something like, really? He, this is the plan? By the way, these soldiers, they have one job. Go get Jesus. Bring him. Right? They've got the soldiers. Judas has probably already identified with a kiss. That's the guy. And these guys now are down at the ground not doing their job. So what does Jesus do? He runs away and says, whew, I got out of this. No, he doesn't. He says, and to me, that this may not be a big deal to you, but to me, he reboots and says again, okay, now, who is it you're looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. Did you not hear me the first time? I'm the one. Now, I'm trying to make this point that Jesus keeps leaning in and basically helping other people kill him. There's another part of the text. Uh, it's in the book of Mark where one of the next stops is the priests and the Pharisees have gathered a bunch of liars to tell lies about Jesus so that they can le legally kill him. And here's what it says about the liars. Even their testimony did not agree. So their job is to lie and make their stories line up so that they can kill him. And they can't get their act together with that. If you read some of that, it's interesting. It feels to me like eventually one of the priests says, tell us if you're the son of God. And you could argue, that, that, yeah, that's because your liars can't get any of their stories straight. He says, tell us if you're the son of God. Jesus basically says, yes, I am. And I'm going to be seated, seated at the right hand of the Father, which is blasphemy. And then it's like they go, aha, we caught you. And I want to say, no, he caught himself, you goofballs. You, you are, does this, you don't like this. You can't figure, this, does this make sense? One more. So this brought new light into the part where Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's looking down. This is the Son of God dying for the world. And you've got some soldiers throwing dice to try to figure out which piece of clothing that they get. Do you realize they're, real, they're missing the point here? And he looks down, and we'll put the, it's up on the screen. And he says, Father, forgive them, which is the amazing, gracious heart of Jesus. But this point emphasizes the second part of it where he says, I wonder if he's like shaking his head. Like, they do not know what they're doing. It's just evidence of, oh, here was a thought. I wonder if, at any point in that process, whether Jesus didn't wonder, am I going to have to, like, kill myself for you guys? Does that make sense? Like, I wonder... Here's a fill in the blank. The point is not that humans are inept, although you could make that point. But the thing that we're focusing on, it's but that Jesus went the extra mile. 
At any point in time, this may not be true. This is my guess. At any point in time, if it were any of us, we would have said, I give up on you people. You can't even get your act together with this. But he doesn't. He's amazing. By the way, God is in the practice of oftentimes going the extra mile. We screw up and he still offers his hand of help. We stray and the Bible describes him like a a shepherd that would go out and find the sheep. We try our best, which really isn't all that great, and he uses you to make a difference in the world. There's a verse in Romans that I think gives us a picture of God's leaning or posture toward us. And it says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. It doesn't say the Spirit mocks us in our weakness. It doesn't say the Spirit quits on us in our weakness. It says He helps us. Bad illustration. You ready? Welcome to the vineyard. Every once in a while, I have really average illustrations. It's the best I got, so, so all right? So here we go. Have you ever tried to help somebody move furniture, and they were not really carrying their end of the couch? Got it? You know, so I, I, so you, I can imagine this. I can picture this. You... I, don't, I can't think of a specific time... But when I first thought of this, I thought of moving when my kids were smaller and like they would pick up maybe their part of the thing and you'd pick it up and you'd see them and realize you're really not carrying your side of this, are you? And maybe it's been a friend or something. You pick it up and you realize that's all you got? Like we're never going to get up the steps. If you... And so you know the tendency for some of us when you pick up and you're like carrying the bulk of it with somebody else. Sometimes you just want to say, put it back down. This couch can stay here for all eternity. Because there's no way we're going to get this. Does that make sense? Some of you have moved furniture, I can tell. And so we in our humanness go, I can't believe you can't carry more than that. Really? Here is, I think, the difference between us and God. God, in that scenario, would go to pick up the couch, and we're like, we can't really do it. And instead of being critical or cursing or giving up, he would maneuver his strength and power, and he would reach under, bear the weight of it from his end, and say something like, you're doing good, I got you, and we are going to move this couch. Is that, that is who God is. He helps us. In our weakness. He's amazing. That's what Jesus doing in the crucifixion story. Even though the crucifixion team really didn't do a great job. He, without his extra effort, I'm not sure it ever would have happened. 
So here's to bring this concept into the room. When was the last time I thanked Jesus? Just worship Jesus. Just acknowledge, thank you for, for carrying all the things that you have done. And another application for us is in the form of a question, am I too quick to quit on people, Christian, follower of Jesus? Don't be quick to quit on people when you see their weakness and their mistake. It's easy to do. Example, when you see their foolishness. Example, years ago, uh, there was a couple attending the church, and they ended up in some marriage stress and problems. They were talking about divorce. They were talking about, yeah, we're going to get a divorce. And when I talked to them a little bit, found out pretty quickly, it was, all, it was all around financial stress. Their financial picture had gotten such a mess that they were doing blaming each other, all that kind of thing, which is understandable. That happens. It's one of the leading causes of divorce. And so by God's grace and some counsel and advice, in like... A, a month or two, they had cleaned up so many things that they loved each other again. Like, they were like, oh yeah, we're going to stay together. Because Does that make sense? So they were doing that. So that's a great celebration, right? Get your financial act together and it'll be better. And I don't think I'll quickly forget, like six weeks after they had decided, yeah, we're staying together and life is good and we got our finances in order, uh, the guy came in, and he found me. He said, hey, Mark, come here. And I'm like, what's going on? He said, I want to take you out to the parking lot, and I want to show you my new truck. Now, I can't really describe to you what happened in my heart and head, but I was thinking, new truck? What do you mean, new truck? We just worked for however many weeks. You just worked for however long to get you, because I knew enough about their finances. And, and basically, the story was, yeah, because we got our finances in order, our credit is better, and I could have get a new truck. And I just wanted to punch him in the face. I wanted to drag him behind his new truck to the dealership and say, this guy can't afford a truck. Did he, okay, I'm sorry, I shared too much. I overshared right there. But isn't it easy to do when you've worked with somebody and then you see the foolish side of them coming to pass? Here's what I would challenge you to do. Be the kind of person, and I'm not saying dismiss people's foolishness, but I'm saying, well, you, can we endure some people's foolishness? How many of you need a second chance, third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance? How many of us are on like our 164th chance? Just be those people and you will represent God well. So the, for the sake of our salvation, Jesus endured the foolishness of humans. Second thing, for the sake of our salvation, he resisted some legitimate retaliation. We're going to get to, real shortly, the place where the, the guy slaps Jesus. Before we get there, I think we can agree there are times that we deserve retaliation or pain because of something we did. Example, when I was about eight, and that would mean my older brother was 11, uh, he beat me up, and I totally deserved it. I called him Bucky Beaver. Still remember that, because he had an overbite. Now, don't feel bad for him. 
because of his teeth, my parents, you know, paid thousands of dollars so that now he has the best smile in the whole family. So now he's a handsome devil. But back then, I forget what triggered me, but I called him Bucky Beaver. Hence, he beat me up. And I totally deserved it because I called him Bucky Beaver. All right? Some of you are like, you're a horrible person. I am. And that's why I got beat up because I did that. And I didn't have to go to the hospital or anything. It just was just like the bigger brother beat me up. I deserved it. There are other times in life when I have had someone like attack me-ish, and I'm like, I, did, I didn't deserve that. Recent story, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, uh, Saturday morning, I was on my way home from a men's group, came up to a four-way stop kind of a place. There was a guy standing in the crosswalk. He had been standing there as I drove up. I noticed him there right on the curb. So when I pulled up, I stopped, and I did this like, did, were you wanting to go? Were you not wanting to go? So I had this big healthy pause, like what's, what's going on? Figured out, at least I thought I did, like, okay, you're just standing there. So I thought, I'll turn right in front of him. So started to, and I did the Saturday morning, good morning guy wave, which is, well, you know, right? We do this, and I went, right? Is that so horrible? This guy leaned forward and gave me the finger all the way around the corner. So I went, and he went. It wasn't this finger. It was a different one. Like, number one. No, that's not what he, he gave me. He was just this angry look thing. Oh, now, just so you know, maybe I'm missing something. There's probably times in my life I deserved the thing. But I did not deserve the finger that morning. I look, what did I do? I did nothing. There are times we deserve it, times we don't. Back to the story, Jesus does not deserve this slap in the face. Verse 20 the priests were asking Jesus questions, and Jesus says, I said nothing in secret. Basically, his response is, ask those who have heard me teach. That is a valid answer to the question. And verse 22 says, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Let's get into the story for a moment. Who did he just slap? God in the flesh. This is all a bad decision on the guy's part. He just slapped the creator of the universe. He just slapped a man who earlier in the accounts told a legion of demons exactly what to do. You guys get out of this man. You go into the pigs. Those pigs then rushed into a, a lake and died. This God, Jesus, has the capacity to command every angel in the universe to do whatever he wants to do like that. That's who this guy just, this no-name assistant, associate, priest guy slapped him in the face. Side note, bad idea. Here's where we're heading. Fill in the blank. Jesus had every right to dismantle this man. That's just a nice way of saying it. But chose to patiently endure the pain. From a justice perspective, he had every right, because he was 
wrongly slapped to slap back. Another way I thought of this, this is not a fill in the blank. Jesus took a sucker punch for the sake of our salvation. So here's the big question, at least for me. Uh, why, why did he take it? And I'm going to give you, I think, just at least one reason. And it is because he was on a greater mission from God. It was too big of a mission to be derailed or distracted by a slap in the face. Does that make sense? If he gets distracted or off task, he never gets to the cross. And I want to bring a practical challenge to us all. Here, this will come up on the screen. Have a purpose important enough to ignore a slap. You could put it in a question form. Do you have a purpose in your life that is so important, a mission that is so important, that if someone slaps you or posts something about you or somehow wrongs you, that you have the spiritual muscles to just disregard it and go on because God has something more important for you to do than, than spend your life. Can I just say, don't spend your life on revenge. Come on, have a purpose that takes you beyond worrying so much about yourself that you can't take a slap. Does that make sense? By the way, if you don't have a purpose like that, get with God, follow Jesus, he'll give you something more important. We're living in a, in a world that is too self-centered and oh my, are we wimpy. Call the attorney. Someone hurt my feelings. Suck it up. What is the deal? I said, suck it up. Sorry. Can you delete that? Let's go offline for a while because I'm about to lose it, I'm sure. Does that make sense? Like, I cannot believe. No, I can believe because I observe it. It is a tragedy how self-centered and weak we are that anytime there's this offense happen, you know, somebody offends us, or somebody does this, or someone is, we like, we're like, stop the world because I'm in pain. And I'm not trying to diminish the pain. I'm trying to call us to something higher. Have a reason to keep going. I wonder if the devil does not sit around and just laugh at us because we get so distracted by, by little, like these are little things. We can't even endure that did anybody, did anybody hear uh, about uh, Will Smith and Chris? How many of you, that's all you've been thinking about for the last six minutes already? I'm sorry. So we might as well, I'm just going to chime in. You ready? Uh, those of you that didn't hear, did we all hear about this somehow? If you've watched the news, it's, so anyway, it was, what, at an award show, Oscars. Was it at the Oscars? Okay, at the Oscars. I don't know the present news that's coming out. On it, but basically, uh, yeah, Chris Rock made a comment about Will Smith's wife, and Will Smith didn't think it was appropriate, and so he slapped him. I, here's, so here's my chime in. You ready? Some of you are going to hate this. I shouldn't. My, my daughter's over there praying for me, like, Dad, what are you doing? 
you should not, you do not know enough about social media to even talk about it, all right? Just, here's, I'm just going to give you my take on it. I like both of these guys. One, I like Will Smith because he loves his wife so much that he's a protector, and there's a line, and if you cross it, he got aggressive and said, you don't say that about my wife. I like Will Smith, all right? I like him. You know what? I also like Chris Rock. You know why? I like because Chris, Chris Rock took a slap and yet went on with the show. I just love it that he like went, whoa. But then he went, he knew there was, he knew he had a job to do, and he kept on doing his job. And I want to apply that to us. We got a job to do. Don't be distracted by something that is really, come on, really relatively small. Back to the text. By the way, Jesus is still putting up with slaps to the face. When people say, well, if God were loving, then he would fill in the blank. When we disrespectfully say things about a God who created us, that's a slap in the face. When we use God's name as a swear word, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross for our sin, and we use that to describe our frustration, that's a slap in the face. When we ignore God, the creator of all things, for days and weeks, or our whole life, and he puts up with it. Just to be clear, why does he do that? Why does he not just pinch our little heads off from on from heaven, right? You ever wondered that? Why does he just not just, just like, okay, you're done, you're done, you're done, you're done? The reason why is because of his grace and compassion. Right now, he's trying to be merciful. We, he's patient, not wanting anyone to perish. He's trying to give us all a chance to turn to Jesus and be forgiven. There's a verse in Romans, Romans 2, 4, that says God's kindness is in present tense. It's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. So he's being kind in hopes that you'll realize he's being kind and then you turn to him. But it's important theologically to know that at some point his kindness stops. If you go on to the next verse in Romans, it talks about your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart. If we live that way, it says you are storing up, try to grab this, storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. What does that mean? Eventually, his grace will run out and he will slap back. That's what it is. Right now, he's patient, but he's attending to, and he knows everything, every sin that we've done, every offense that we've made toward him, toward other people that he created. He's not losing track of all that. At one, I, I imagine it at one point, He's going to explode. He's going to say, I'm done. Too much pain, too much sin, too much death. Too many times he's watched these people suffer because of this person's sin. And he's going to say, it is the end. And here comes judgment. Now here's the deal. You want to be with Jesus. That's where the forgiveness is. If you're on the wrong side, it will be more horrible than you can ever imagine. Can you imagine... The thousands of years that God has been patient as sin just keeps piling up. 
one of these days, he's going to lose it. We should be on the side of Jesus. Last fill in the blank. Am I firmly trusting in the work of the cross? Jesus is the answer. Why don't you stand? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.